Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Chasing Health Podcast. I'm your host, Chase Smith. No matter what goal you're working towards, I hope to show you that Chasing Health does not have to be a difficult or scary ordeal. Join me and my guests as we talk about all things related to becoming a best version of yourself, whether that's through nutrition, fitness, mindset, or life topics in general, we've got you covered. All right, let's not waste any more time and dive right into the show. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Chasing Health Podcast. Chris and I are joined by a special guest today, Jacqueline Maxwell. Jacqueline and I and Chris, we all met through a similar business mentor a while back and had the pleasure of meeting each other in person at conferences and such, and wanted to bring her on the show today to share a little bit more about what it's going to take if you are in a calorie deficit, how to get the most out of it, and how not to sacrifice your quote-unquote gains while in this process here as well. But welcome, Jacqueline, to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Yeah. So before we dive into that, I do always like to give a chance for you to share a little bit about like who you are, what got you into coaching, and before we kind of dive into the meat and potatoes of the podcast. Yeah. Um, so what got me into coaching was, as like most people, my own personal story. Um, so I unfortunately dealt with an eating disorder in high school. And um, it got really, really bad, like to a point where I was like 100 pounds. I was I used to compete in jump rope. So I was like training eight to 10 hours a week, eating like less than a 1000 calories a day. So you can only imagine like what my body looked like. Um, so basically got to the point where my mom noticed that something was up, I had to go get help, saw a psychiatrist, saw a nutritionist, they helped me get back on my feet. So I like, gained a whole bunch of weight back in high school, uh, which led to a lot of body image issues because I was going from like 100 pounds to like 100 and I gained about like 35, 40 pounds back. Um, so then once I got to university, I like kind of spiraled a little bit, got into um, strength training. So I became like a gym junkie. I was also um, studying, to, studying for my kinesiology degree. So we were like playing sports. I was working out a ton. Um, I just picked up some really unhealthy eating habits. So like eating clean, I started doing CrossFit. So I picked up paleo, which to me was like basically cutting out all carbs. So I basically went backwards and lost a whole bunch of weight again, uh, got down to like around 113 pounds. Uh, so I was carrying a bit of muscle this time, but like still very unhealthy and, um, was just like eating clean, like anything that my roommates handed me went in the garbage behind their backs, like cookies, mm. sweets. I was like, uh, I was working at a restaurant, um, serving my entire time in university. So like I would stay away from social events cause I was afraid of like what was, what I was going to be eating. It was just a really, really unhealthy relationship with food and exercise. Um, and then it wasn't until I was like a year or two in a CrossFit, I wanted to just get strong. Like anyone that knows people who CrossFit, like they're so lean and muscular and they have all this muscle. And I was like in the gym seven days a week, eating like less than 1500 calories a day, wondering why I couldn't build muscle. It's like, what am I doing wrong? And then, um, I remember going to a body scan and I was just like, okay, let's see if anything's changed since I've been doing the same thing, which a blind bat could have told me nothing had changed. (laughs) Um, and nothing changed. I wasn't building muscle. Like my body stayed the same. So that was when I committed to working with a coach and she helped me gain mass about 20 pounds of mass back. But this time that when I gained the weight, it was actually like healthy. I wasn't saying before that I gained a bunch of fat, but like my body composition looked a lot better. Uh, so I committed to gaining about 20 pounds and that kind of just made me want to pay it forward, you know, after going through that and realizing that you can have food freedom and eat the things you en- that you enjoy and still be, you know, pretty lean and uh, not have it like derail your results. That's when I started my coaching business, started coaching people for free. And then it just like took off. So that was back in 2014 or sorry, 15, about nine years ago. Nice. Thanks for sharing that. And I, I'm actually kind of curious before we start talking about a little bit of a deficit. So you're talking about, you know, the first time you had to put on mass, you know, it was pretty a lot faster rate, maybe not as healthy and sustainable, um, mm-hmm. or something, you know, with more of a focus towards like muscle versus body fat. The second time you said you did it in a more, you know, more slower, more healthier way. What was the difference for those listening? Cause we don't really talk a lot about bulking or you know, mm-hmm. being in a calorie surplus on this show. What did that look like the second time compared to the first? Like what made it better? 
Yeah, the first time I, I did it when I was in high school, I was working with a nutritionist. So there was no talk of calories or macros because someone coming from an eating disorder, like that's a no-no. Um, so it was just like, you need to eat food um, regardless of the amount. It, like for me, like the goal was to put on weight quick because I was obviously so close to being hospitalized from being underweight. Um, so I think for me during that time, it was just like the, the goal was to do it quickly. And it got to a point where it just, you know, it kind of kept going and I didn't really recognize it until, you know, one day, like my clothes were like super tight and I was like, okay, I'm kind of good with where I'm at. And I was still training. Uh, but it was, it was a little bit different than the second time. The second time was all done counting calories, counting macros, being very like intent with, uh, or sorry, intentional with like the increase in calories, like v- playing very, very close attention to, um, what I was eating every day and how quickly we were increasing and like what my weight was doing. I feel like I wasn't getting on the scale every day the first time, because again, like, you know, it was just, I wanted to avoid, or my nutritionist wanted to avoid me from spiraling. For sure. Uh, but the second time it was like getting on the scale, seeing, you know, where my weight was at and then bumping calories up. It's pretty wild though. Like to give you guys some insight, um, it, like for me, a bulk being that small was like just around 2000 calories a day where like now I would wow. cut on that, yeah, which is wild. Yeah. So that would be like the biggest difference between the two for sure. Yeah. How, how did you, and then I feel like this could almost even apply for someone who's going through any body change versus, you know, cutting or gaining. How did you mentally prepare yourself? Especially it sounds like the first time was a little more, like you said, a little more drastic and and needed in that first time. But mm-hmm. the second time, like how did you like allow yourself to be okay with putting on that mask, even though you knew you were doing it for all the right reasons? Mm-hmm. I'm sure it still came with a little bit of challenges. And how did you overcome some of that? Yeah, it's a really good question. Um, it's, fun. it's funny because I was writing an email about this the other day, like my story, but uh, I knew that everything I was doing wasn't getting me to where I wanted to be. So funny enough, I actually like reached out to my coach first and then I chickened out. She was like, this is what we're going to do. And I was like, I'm not ready. And that's when I was like, I'll just keep doing what I'm doing. And then I stepped on the body scan and nothing changed. And I was like, all right, well, if nothing changes, nothing changes. So um, it was just committing to like knowing that the scale was going to go up, knowing that my clothes were going to fit tighter and being okay with it. And knowing that like, these are the things you need to do if you actually want to be more muscular and stronger in the gym, because we know that what you're doing is not getting you anywhere. Uh, so it was like buying into that and just letting go of those fears, which can be really hard for a lot of people, right? Like telling you guys know, telling people that they have to eat more is like <laughs> one of the, the hardest things to do, especially like when they want to shed fat, like, Hey, you got to eat more and spend time not in a, like not losing weight before we can actually start losing weight. Uh, that's a side note, but yeah, I would say just to committing, like to getting over those fears, um, and knowing what, like knowing what's ahead. And that's the beauty of having a coach because when those negative thought patterns, you know, creep in, like they are there to talk you off the ledge, which you can't necessarily do on your own. Yeah. You 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 definitely have to have those objective views, you Mm -hmm. know, like, because the, the moment you start getting it into your head and looking and putting the emotions tied to it, oh yeah, it's 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 going to be really really hard to overcome those emotions because we're emotional creatures and we're somebody that wants to focus on like doing what we think is best, even though it may not be what is actually best for ourselves. Yeah, exactly. So when we look at like starting on a deficit, you know, obviously, you know, we've talked about this on the show a lot as far as you know, calorie deficit. You know, we've discussed like calories in, calories out, things like that. So. But I want to talk more about like what it actually takes to maximize your results in a deficit, but doing it in an efficient way and a sustainable way mm-hmm. that also you don't want to hate yourself during the entire deficit either. Because I feel like we've all been there ourselves or have had clients come to us that have been in a deficit and they're like, this is absolutely miserable. It's like, well, there's mm-hmm. probably some things we can change up. But what is like your number like go to like, let's just, I guess we can almost say run this stuff scenario almost like if you have a client that's getting ready to start a deficit before we even like start the deficit what are some good signs or things that you make sure are in place before you even start them into a calorie deficit yeah we have like a list of things like prerequisites so um spending like a minimum of three to six months in a diet break or calorie maintenance or whatever you guys want to call it um so that is the hardest part for most people because they don't have the patience for it 
we've had clients that have had to spend six months minimum eating enough before they can cut their calories back. So that's like first and foremost, I would say like overall general consistency. So like they can actually hit their macros and their calories uh, while being consistent. And then we have like basic stuff. So like eating fruits and veg, eating like enough protein, um, getting their micronutrients in, drinking water, getting steps in. Um, I would say like those are those are like the main things that we look at before putting someone in a calorie deficit. But I would say like first and foremost, that first point is just making sure that they've spent enough time away from dieting if they've spent a long time dieting. Yeah, I definitely feel like that's important because we have to build that consistency around mm-hmm. that at that time. Like if you're not being consistent outside of a calorie deficit, how are we going to ever be consistent in a calorie deficit? You know, I, yep. I've, and, and people think that they can just white knuckle their way through because that's, that's, I think that's one of the biggest issues I see. And I'd love to hear your thoughts on this as well. But I hear people all the time, they're like, well, you know, once I'm starting to diet, like I, I can focus, I can do this. Mm-hmm. But it's like they aren't even proving to themselves beforehand that they can be consistent at maintenance or, yep. you know, outside of the dieting phase. Or even, you know, sometimes I'll even have some clients who maybe technically like their body's ready to go into deficit right away. Mm-hmm. But it's just like maybe we just need to start like creating consistency, like with like a hundred calorie deficit, not enough to like really see a ton of results, yep. not maintenance, but also like just higher calories in general to focus on that there. Because they think like, oh, once the diet starts, then I can really just, you know, white knuckle my way through all this. And really, it's like, we need to work on getting that consistency first beforehand, mm-hmm. right? 100%. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that because like, I don't know how many times we've like had clients say like, hey, um, when am I going in a deficit? And they're like, so inconsistent. And then <laughs> uh, we, we explained to them that like, no, you have to like earn your right to go into a cut. Um, but you guys know, like clients only have so much time to spend with us. So at some point we have to just give them what they want. But the conversation we have is like, just so you know, we can do this, but if it doesn't go the way you want it to, you need to understand why. Um, and I, that's happened with one of our clients before where she like her, she forced her coach into putting her in a cut and like things did not go the way she wanted, but it was like, you need to promise me and like, give you, I need you to give me um, your word that like, you can't be mad when this doesn't go the way that you want it to. Yep. Okay, cool. Then nothing happens. And it's like, well, <laughs> told you so. <laughs> yeah. The beauty of coaching. What, right. <laughs> what are your thoughts on that, Chris? No, I think a lot of people when they say that, oh, I'm ready for a deficit or I'm, you know, they can be consistent. Like what is consistent to every individual? Like we have clients like, what is consistency? Because you might think being consistent is eating out includes eating out three, four times a week. And that's like, they really think that, that they can eat out three, four times a week, but then they're eating quote unquote good, right? Like what does good even mean? What does consistent actually mean? Because it means different for everybody. For me, like if you can't be 80% efficient throughout your week, throughout your month, progress is really going to be very slow. And I actually saw this from Jordan Syatt the other day. He made a great post and he's like, well, maybe we need to move the bar. It's like, if you're coming in this and you're only being 60% efficient, like that your expectations need to be lowered because that's not, maybe your, maybe your idea of consistency is actually 50, 50. Like we need to get you to a point where you're seeing this very clear that you're, it's going to take 80% of you being consistent, hitting your numbers, hitting your, uh, your steps and your workouts and everything there. That way we can actually see the progress that you're expecting. And I think that's always important. It's like number one on our list for phase two is what are your expectations of fat loss? Cause it better not be four pounds a week. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. That's cool. Like throwing that in like the expectations. I think that's important to like lay out before someone is jumping into a fat loss phase. Well, especially mm-hmm. because you, you know, and we, we work with a lot of people that have been dieting for 10 years plus, mm-hmm. right? And it's like, who knows what they tried. So now they think that four pounds a week is normal. Mm-hmm. Not That's normal. so true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love yeah, that. that. That expectations piece is so important. And I also love, Jacqueline, that you pointed out as far as like, sometimes you almost have to let them, and, and I hate saying it this way, but it's like, almost like let them fail. Like, totally. And it's because a lot of people won't learn until they mm-hmm. have failed. And yep. when you put them in a spot where it's like, okay, like you haven't been consistent, but 
You keep telling me you were ready for this deficit. So let's, let's give it a shot. And I've told uh-huh. Glenn, like, let's, let's see what happens. Like if, if you, if you think you are ready for this, I'm more than happy to roll on with this, but here's my opinion. And I don't think we're ready for this just yet, but let's give it a shot. And then, you know, every once in a while they prove me wrong and right. And then they end up doing great. Um, but nine times out of 10, it's usually somebody who struggles right off the get go. Maybe it's good for a week or two, because again, they're white knuckling their way through. Like, I, I want to start building some sustainable habits and things like that before we even get into a deficit. Like you should not be still stressing on eating, you know, three servings of veggies a day when mm-hmm. we're going into a deficit. Like you should not be still, you know, struggling to get over a thousand steps a day going into a deficit. Like we yeah. need to like have those things in place before we make that next step. Totally. Yeah, um, no, I, I certainly agree. So now jumping into like, let's say, all right, they, they've gone through that pre-fat loss checklist. We, we've gone through all of the things and we're in a good spot. We're ready to go into a deficit. How quickly are you usually dropping somebody into a deficit? Like, obviously, we have our kind of own like plan for what we normally do, but I'd love to hear what you guys normally do as far as like starting a deficit. Where do you start at? Yeah, for us, it depends on the client. Like we work with a lot of performance-based clients, so clients that are actually looking to cut weight. Uh, but if we're talking about just like general lifestyle clients who want to lose weight, our rule of thumb is usually anywhere between like a 10 to 12% initial drop in calories. That's what we work with. And then if they're losing weight, we don't touch anything. So for most people, they're losing between like 0.5 to two pounds a week. Two pounds is on the higher, like the higher range. Um, and once they get to a point where they're, they've hit a plateau, not just, you know, within a week, within like a couple weeks, then we cut more calories, but it's very um, conservative. So conservative being like 85 to 100 calories. Um, some of my coaches go even lower than that. They'll cut like 50. So like 50 to 100 calories a week to see how the body responds. And um, yeah. And then from there, we just go like super, super slow because we want it to be a sustainable, but also want to make sure that they're not sacrificing muscle as well. Uh, but that's typically the approach we take. We never really do anything like drastic unless someone has a lot of weight they need to lose for, for a, a meat. Um, but for most people, that's like the approach that we typically take. Gotcha. And you, you mentioned uh, weight cuts for competitions for athletes and things like that. Um, as I mentioned before we hit record here, I, I definitely want to touch a little bit on that, I think, and just we'll kind of go down this rabbit hole for a moment as far sure. as like what is like, like why do athletes have to weight cut? You know, I've, um, you know, I've spoken on the podcast before about, you know, I've done powerlifting. Now I, in my own experience, I was not in a position where I was concerned about weight cuts. My coach was just like, just first time competing, like just go in and compete at like whatever weight you're at. Um, but for those who do weight cut, like why do people have to weight cut? Like what's involved with that? Do you want to kind of share a little bit about that kind of stuff? Sure. Yeah. So, um, if you're in a weight class sport, so weightlifting, powerlifting, strongman, I work with a lot of strongman girls. They have to be a certain weight to compete in a weight class. So they have to make weight for a certain day. So a weight cut for an athlete is so different. Like for a weight cut sport is so different from someone that's doing, you know, that's losing weight just for aesthetic purposes or health. Exactly. Um, so there's a lot that goes into it. So there's like the calorie, cut, right? Where we cut calories and macros, but depending on how much weight someone has to lose, we start doing water, sodium, food volume manipulation. So for instance, um, I work with two strongman girls who had to cut 15 pounds within 10 days. Um, so for them, it's a lot of water. So like we water load them about seven to 10 days out. These girls are drinking like 10 liters of water a day. It's not fun. (laughs) Um, yeah, 10, 10, about like 10 liter, liters of water a day. And then the day before they weigh in, we cut water off completely. Like I'd say they drink anywhere between like one to two liters. So the reason why we do that is because your body keeps thinking like, even though you're drinking so little, your body's still like expelling uh, fluids. But when it comes to their food, we, um, we manipulate their sodium intake. So we'll cut it out completely or cut it down in half. Their food volume changes completely. So if you guys are like, if we looked at, I don't know, a bowl of oatmeal, right. With like lots of fiber has fruit in it. It has nuts in it and has like protein powder. You can get the same macros from like a protein bar. So we'll have them cut food volume down substantially. And then if we have to get them to do like, like most of these girls, they're about, they're still having to lose like 
eight, seven, eight pounds, um, about three days out. So at that point, we're still working on the food volume stuff. We cut even more calories and then we have them do like a sauna session or we have them spit, um, just to get the extra fluid out. And by the time weigh-in day comes, they make weight. Now that's a 24 hour weigh-in <laughs> where they have 24 hours to replenish. We would never do that for someone that has a two hour weigh-in because they would just die on the platform. Mm-hmm. Uh, so strongman's usually 24 hours. Those girls go hard. They go like 15 pound weight cuts. Um, <laughs> the athletes of ours that do like two hour, we're a lot more conservative. We want them to be like five pounds, uh, within a week that we have to cut, which is like usually peanuts. Um, but that's typically the difference. Like, and the, the thing we have to always, um, reiterate when we have these conversations with people, Cause they're like, Whoa, this person lost 15 pounds in like seven days. I want to do that. Like, I was cool, waiting for that. Just, right. <laughs> it's water. <laughs> it is water. Like they're going to gain it all back literally after they eat. I think my, my, one of my girls gained like 20 pounds back or 18 pounds back the day after just from like replenishing. But <laughs> you know, you, you talk about this and people are like, Ooh, I want to know the secret. Uh, it's not fun people. It's not fun. It is kind of funny. Cause these girls are eating like candy like no joke that the days that we cut their food volume down, they are literally filling their grocery carts with candy and chocolate because it's high calorie, but it yep. doesn't weigh a lot. So like they always joke, they're like, this is what my grocery cart looks like. And <laughs> I've done it. It's fun for a Picture day. And then you're health. like, yeah, literally. <laughs> and then you're like, I need a freaking vegetable um, after like two days of doing it. But that, those are like the biggest differences um, in those weight cuts. Yeah, that's, that's good to know. Uh, Chris, I saw you raise your hand. I know you were talking a little bit about that and Chris has competed. So Chris, you want to share a little bit about like what you had to do or what did you yeah. do, I guess? Yeah, I mean, cutting down, I think I started actually 48 hours because I really, I didn't ha- really have a time for uh, to bulk during that mm-hmm. time. So I was like, well, if I'm going to have any chance, I'm just going to get as ripped as I possibly can. And I just cut calories and did a bunch of cardio and didn't really focus on muscle abilities because I did it for a client that also wanted to compete. And I'm like, I got like four months, three months before. Like, that's not enough time to bulk and do a cut. So I just did a cut. And uh, yeah, I remember cutting water out like 48 hours beforehand. And um, then that day, I just like carb loaded where I was eat. I probably had, I think it was like 400 grams of carbs the day of my my competition and then fast forward like five months and i'm up 28 pounds and you know and all that well it it, it's really true like when you people that compete your relationship with food you you come from that restriction for five six months Mm -hmm. of doing that like it really puts a number on your relationship with food because that was like my thing was like that's what i did for five six months well i rebounded and twice as bad uh, so, and, and that's for bodybuilding, right? I did I'm physique. assuming. Yeah, yeah. Physique competition. Yeah. I've ne- we've never, I've never cut someone or like, uh, put someone through a uh, physique before my, my head coach just got certified. He did the, uh, he did Lee Norton's mentorship. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's going to start working with those people, but like, we've never done physique. That's like a whole other ball game from what I understand. I've That's never, cool. I just did it for myself. First time I did it, I had a coach. This time I just went for it. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the only way you learn though. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. so cool. I love that. Cool. Yeah. And I'm definitely glad that you touched on this. Cause I, I, I know the general population is usually who's listening to this podcast. So like guys, like obviously just to like reiterate one more time, like none of this is sustainable. None of this is like yeah. something we would recommend most of you guys be doing, unless you are a athlete trying to compete and cutting weight so Mm -hmm. that's your thing um like you know we don't even really do that ourselves with our coaching program so go go reach out to Jacqueline if you're doing that (laughs) (laughs) Um, but that said let's kind of go back into more of like the general population um and speaking of like just a general calorie deficit what are some other things that you are focusing on I guess like one big thing I want to make sure we touch on is like protein wise and like actually Mm -hmm. we can just kind of lump this into like the conversation of like holding on to muscle like I guess uh, sorry, do have a squirrel brain here, but um, <laughs> I'm okay. thinking like, um, like why, why do we want to hold on to muscle? Like, obviously like we know, but I just would love to like explain to the listeners, like, why is it important to hold on to muscle mass? Like, why can't you just lose weight? Right. People want to lose weight. They want to lose yeah, weight. Totally. I was going to okay. say like, why is it even important to like not eat a thousand, twelve thousand calories, 1200 calories? Like what is that doing actually for their body composition in the long run? 
Yeah, 100%. This actually comes with the story. So um, the reason why we don't do that is because you will 100% sacrifice your muscle mass. Um, and muscle is obviously important because it keeps us lean and healthy people. Um, I think people don't recognize like how important muscle mass is. And if there is a lack of muscle, your metabolism will 100% slow down. So we actually worked with someone last summer. She started off in our challenge and joined our program. And she told me she did the Octavia diet. You guys, most of you oh, yeah. know what that is. And I don't know if your audience does. Yes. Um, and she lost 30 pounds in 30 days and her body fat stayed the same. Wow. Like, what does that tell you? Right. And I was like, you 100% lost all of your muscle. And uh, she didn't really recognize it till we had that conversation. It was just like, holy shit. Is swearing allowed? Yes. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, and that's because they cut your, your calories down so drastically, right? Like that is the one thing that we don't want is, is to sacrifice muscle. And I think a lot of people don't recognize that like they have this number in their head that they want to get down to. And I don't know how many times like we've worked with people where like, say we get them down to a number, they're still not happy with the way they look because they're not, they don't look muscular, mm -hmm. you know? Uh, like people are afraid to eat for the the weight that they actually, sorry, people are afraid to eat for the body that they want. Yes. Right. Which yes. is like lean and muscular and everyone's so focused on weight. Um, but you can, you will look better, heavier in some cases, or at the same weight, with, with but with different body composition. Um, so yeah, like everyone's so focused, most women, right. Are focused on eating like sub 15 1200 calories, but they don't recognize like what that's doing to their metabolism. It's completely slowing it down to their hormones, um, to, to so many things. And they just, for some reason they're stuck there. They're afraid to eat more, but yeah, guys, muscle, it's so, so important for so many reasons. Um, yeah, it's, it's not just about weight. If you hyper-focus on that and, and you're just all about like losing as, as much weight as you can in a short period of time, you will 100% sacrifice your muscle mass like the client we work with did. Mm -hmm. That's even like, um, and, and not, not to go down too much this this pathway here, but um, the, those who, I think it's one of the big issues I see with the new like weight loss injections and things like that is mm -hmm. a lot of people are taking these medications and then dropping weight really, really quick. They're dropping a lot of muscle mass, unfortunately, during mm -hmm. that time as well. And so it's, man, it's, it's, and it's so sad because like people just, they don't know better, right? Like no. these things are marketed as, or even like these diets like Octavia and other things like that are so marketed towards like weight loss, weight loss, weight loss. Mm -hmm. And like, yes, you want to lose weight. But I, I always ask people like when I'm on a call with somebody, like when I'm first starting with somebody, I always say like, my guess is you probably want to lose body fat, right? Like if, yeah. like if I had to, if you got to choose, my guess is you're probably not saying, Hey, I want to lose all my muscle. Probably mm -hmm. not. Right. And I tell them like the body you want has less body fat and more muscle on it. Totally. So we have to make sure we preserve as much lean muscle mass as well. Mm -hmm. And not just that, but like also like muscle mass, like you kind of mentioned as well as it helps us have a higher metabolism as well. Yeah. When, so like when you cut all that muscle away, now you're even doing yourself a disservice and making it harder to lose weight in the future as well. Exactly. That's what I was going to say is that that's why people like, oh, it worked for so well the first time, but now it's not working. It's like, well, that's because you cut your calories so low. You lost so much damn muscle. Mm -hmm. your, your, point. Yeah. Your metabolism is a lot different now. Yeah. yeah. It's an, I, I always tell our like clients and audience that like having muscle is such an unfair advantage because you can go lay on a beach and you'd be burning calories compared to the same person that weighs the exact same weight as you and has way more body fat, right? And you're going to metabolize the drink you're drinking a lot better than the person that doesn't, you know? So yep. muscle is 100% an unfair advantage. And so when we are kind of going back to like, all right, so we know why we want to keep on muscle mass. How are they going to encourage their body basically to lose more body fat than just dropping muscle mass basically when a deficit? Yeah. Pro, like obviously prioritizing protein. So we bump our clients protein up just a little bit more. Um, and then strength training. Like I would say those, those are the two biggest things, strength training, um, bumping protein up and not cutting their calories too drastically. Those would be like the yeah. three main things that we look at when we are cutting somebody, uh, cutting their calories back. Because again, like the, 
the more drastic it is, the more likely that's going to happen. Uh, yep. And they're eating carbs, people. <laughs> <laughs> they are eating carbs. <laughs> yes, eat your carbs. <laughs> yeah. Um, so what what about like length of a deficit? Like how long are you typically, and I know this is obviously probably another it depends situation, um, but from a lifestyle client perspective, like how long are you usually looking at cutting somebody for? Yeah, in our program, like most of the time, it's between 12 to 16 weeks. Um, and this is obviously, yeah, it depends on how much weight the person needs to lose. If they are overweight and they have a lot of weight to lose, like they can definitely handle being in a deficit longer. Mm-hmm. But we also don't love extending a calorie deficit for too long for compliance reasons. Um, so I would say like we put our clients through a 12 to 16 week stint you know, we'll throw in diet breaks in there as well. Like a week at maintenance, a day at maintenance, if they're going away, like there are some very impromptu diet breaks along the way. Um, or in some cases, and this works really well for our clients, uh, those that have to lose like 20 pounds plus, we'll have them lose their first 15 to 20, put them in a diet break for a couple months, and then we'll have them jump back into the second phase where they lose the remaining amount of weight that they have to. So for what? lifestyle clients, that's what we would do. Why the break after the 15, 20 pounds or so? Yeah, just for compliance, uh, for compliance. But it also just gives their metabolism a break because at some point, like your metabolism is going to adapt. Uh, and the only option is to either cut, continue cutting more calories or to have them exercise more, right? To create more of a deficit. So um, it just mentally and physically gives them a, a time time to recover, kind of like in the beginning, right? When clients first start the program, uh, just a break mentally, physically from all of it because, you know, like deficits are not easy. (laughs) Uh, Obviously they're a lot easier the way we all do it, but um, there's a lot of sacrifices that have to be made. So we typically see better compliance, um, you know, like after being in a a diet break for four to eight weeks, we'll put someone back into maybe even longer a deficit to uh, lose the remaining amount of weight they have to lose. You mentioned the compliance piece a couple of times here, and mm-hmm. I think this is a big one that a lot of people don't really think about because so much of this, I think after a while, becomes almost just like subconsciously, we start making different decisions along the way here. Mm-hmm. So when you say like a drop in compliance or adherence or whatever we want to refer it to as, like, what do you mean by that? And do you want to elaborate a little more as far as like what, wh- why would we see a drop in compliance and how would that normally come up in your clients? Yeah. So they do well in the beginning, right? They're motivated, they're losing weight, they're from being in a, in a deficit. And then at some point that slows down. Uh, a lot of the reasons why it slows down is because like they're hungry, you know, they're, and like their biofeedback drops, their energy levels drop, they're getting hungrier, they're more tired, their recovery sucks. Um, so that's like to us, a couple red flags, like that is why we will start to, we'll, we'll start thinking about a diet break, but they also just like can't stick to the plan. Um, mm-hmm. So they might go over their calories. You know, I've, <laughs> I worked with a client and she was like, I was driving home with my, or sorry, I was, my bill had an ice cream cone in his hand and I ripped, ripped it out of his hand and ate it. And I was like, mercy, that's Time not normal. Diabetes. Like, yeah. Like, <laughs> I'm like, if you have those episodes, you need to tell me. And like this client same, like, she'll be like, I had a box of chocolates on my seat. I was driving home. I wasn't going to eat it. And I ripped the whole thing open and ate all of them. And I was like, okay, like it's time for a diet break. So like, those are just some like signs that you know, you're, you're ready for a break because anything in sight, you'll just go ham on. Um, and you know, just for these guys that are listening, like, it's not like we restrict the foods they eat, but because their calories are so low, cravings are going to set in like you're, Mm -hmm. you're more hungry. Right. And anything at that point just looks appetizing. So it's, it's better to just take a break than like to draw the calorie deficit or diet out longer and have these episodes where you just lose control. So in our opinion, it's better to just give them, you know, some time away from that to indulge a little bit. And then we can go hard again um, to, to lose what they need to lose. I love that. I think what you do with your diet breaks and things as well is you're removing any guilt that comes with it because that woman who just went to the driver's seat and ate all the chocolates, like you, she was supposed to be in a deficit. She's in diet mm-hmm. mode. So there's a sense of guilt there for her. Like, oh, I just messed up, right? Totally. Whereas if you catch it beforehand Mm -hmm. and you're like, hey, we're going up to maintenance, you can actually eat some chocolate now and you can do all these things. You're improving the relationship with food by giving them permission to do that kind of thing. 
Yeah. And so I think that's like super important to always make sure that your clients are feeling like, okay, th this was planned. Mm -hmm. There's a difference between giving into it out of a sense of guilt because there, then there is. And that's when we are like ruining the relationship with food peace. And I think like, you know, I always tell Chase, like we should always protect the relationship with food with everything we do mm -hmm. compared to saying, Hey, we're at maintenance. Now you can eat, actually eat the bowl of ice cream and the PB and J if you want to, um, obviously within your maintenance calories, but like yeah. once you've given that permission, it removes, removes that guilt and punishment. Totally. I love that. Yeah. It's funny. Like we've, one of my coaches told a client, she had to eat a chocolate bar after dinner and she li literally cried. Like she cried mm -hmm. because she had such a bad relationship with food. And then, uh, you know, when she graduated the program, it was, it was completely different. Uh, but you know, we have so, so many clients that are like, Oh my God, Shelby told me to eat chips. Yeah. Eat your chips. Um, <laughs> it's, it's that, I love that, that point, Chris, just about like protecting their relationship with food. Uh, because a lot of people are like, seriously, like I'm allowed to eat this or I'm, I'm allowed to have that. Like, you know, it, it, with past programs that they've done, they've been clearly like, um, scorned for it. Like I, I'll never forget one client I worked with years ago. Uh, he was the best man in a wedding. And this was a pretty big coaching company. I'm not going to name names, but, um, his coach like blasted him for having fun at the wedding, you know, and yeah. he was in a cut and I'm like, dude, that's not, that's not cool. That's no. so not cool. You know? No. So that's not the that's, way we do things. <laughs> I think it's just so important just to have like that correct balance. And I'm not usually a fan of the word balance, but it, just for lack of better words here, it's like just understanding like, yes, there are going to be some sacrifices you have to make in a deficit at some point in time. Like mm -hmm. we said, like we may cut out some certain foods, but it's not saying like you can't have those foods. Like sure. If you can make them work here and there in small and small, moderate portions, go right ahead. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, people are able to adhere a little bit better when they're able to remove some of those things, right? Like maybe you don't have the donut, you know, three times a week. Maybe we go back to mm -hmm. one time a week, or maybe, maybe we just decide to cut it out altogether that way you're able to have a little more food volume instead. Mm -hmm. Like I always tell my clients, I'm like, you can make it work anytime you want, but it's just going to make it harder. And so in the long run, you're probably going to appreciate skipping the donut and having, you know, a scrambled eggs in the morning instead. Mm -hmm. Like, right. Let's like find a balance of allowing yourself to have the things when you want them, but still having to sacrifice something as well every once in a while. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, like I, I've thought about this before, when, when you do, when you eat something like a donut, like three, four times a week, it loses its appeal. It's like the excitement's mm -hmm. gone. So, and that's what we really try to hone in. Like, you know, even going out for dinner, like we, we try to limit the amount of times we go out, but if I was going out so often, I wouldn't really enjoy it. You don't look forward to it. So that's what I love too, about just, you know, like finding food swaps, um, and just being a little bit more intentional with when you're going to have those things because you look forward to having it more than if you just threw it in there every single day. Yeah. You have the clients that are, you know, when you hear like, Oh, I'm going out this weekend or I'm going out and you're like shocker. Um, and then you also, yeah. <laughs> then you also have some where it's like, Oh, you know, me and my husband are out to dinner and you're like, Oh sweet. Let's plan for this. Like yeah. you know, this is a moment of coaching, but yeah, there are some where it's like, yep, I got this going on. I guess I was like, Oh, another week. Okay, cool. Awesome. Yeah, exactly. Like sweet. <laughs> That's yeah. so and funny. I, I've had that conversation with some clients in the past mm -hmm. where I'm like, all right, at, at some point, if we're, if we're going out all the time, we're never saying no to anything. Mm -hmm. Is now a good time for a deficit? Like, yeah. do we need to like, like, and I've had this tough conversation with some clients before. I'm like, Hey, like the way your actions are right now probably means we probably should go back to maintenance for a little bit of time. Like, how about we re revisit this deficit when you're able to you're, when you're able to be a little more consistent with your routine, mm -hmm. right? Because if you're going out to eat all the time, it's just why it's just like, you know, a lot of, we try to not to take clients to a deficit during the holidays, right? Yes. Like, I mean, like Same. sometimes it works out that way. Like if we know if we have a client start before the holidays and like ends up lining up, like we'll work around it, but they're still not in a deficit on those holidays themselves, mm -hmm. right? We'll build structure around it. But, and that's just like, you know, during the summertime, a lot of Worst people time. don't want to be in a deficit. Yeah. <laughs> you got barbecues, you're going out in the oh boat, you're God. going to on um, summer vacation, you're going to the <laughs> beach, like you're doing all this traveling and it's like, okay, probably not the best time. So I think it's just people have to start taking ownership of like, do my actions align with my expectations? 
Mm-hmm. And if not, we need to start having that discussion of like, is this the best time to be in a cut? And it's okay if that answer is no. I think yes. some people feel bad like, oh, but but I need to lose weight. I need to lose weight. So I need to figure this out. Like, mm-hmm. that doesn't mean you have to do it right now. No, you have your whole life. Yeah. Well, and not only just that, but like, think about it this way. Would you rather, and this kind of goes back to what Chris mentioned earlier, about would you rather just focus on maintenance and be happy at maintenance? Or would you rather feel like I'm, you know, in a deficit, but I'm not seeing results because you're not actually in a deficit, mm-hmm. right? Totally. Or you end up then falling into like, you know, overeating or binge eating, things like this, where then now we're in maybe a surplus even because we're struggling so much with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah, like Christmas and the summer are always like the two times of the year <laughs> where we try to push people to like start, get started because you're you're basically like in maintenance mm-hmm. um, and you can leverage, you know, we always push for like leveraging the summer for a fat loss phase come September yep. because it makes sense. Yep, exactly. Mm-hmm. Now, one other thing I wanted to touch on a little bit is this sense of, you know, you mentioned this a little bit earlier about plateaus. And when we look at, you know, a week is not a plateau, maybe after three, four weeks of consistent actions, mm-hmm. then we might look at being in a deficit. But I, or I mean, you're lowering the deficit. Um, but one thing I think it's also important to touch on is the weeks when you said, hey, if we're, we are losing weight, we're not going to change anything. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that is just as challenging for some people because they go week to week to week to week making great progress but it's nothing's changing yeah it's boring uh-huh. and it's this boring work that we talk about uh-huh. why is that boring work so important and like why like do you feel like you know what do you do if you have somebody who says like you know you know Jacqueline like this has been two three weeks now and yeah I'm losing weight but like you haven't changed anything in my program what the heck uh-huh. yeah for, for us it's like why are we going to change anything if you're still losing uh, what do you want to eat less? Cause I can, I, and I, l- I literally had this conversation with one of my clients the other day. I'm like, we can totally cut more calories. Um, but you're eating all this food and you're losing weight. Now this client like had an amazing reverse. Uh, I had worked with someone who went from 40 year old, um, uh, mom, she was like eating 1800. She got up to 24 and she lost five pounds going from that. Um, you know, having like a 600 calorie increase. And, um, yeah, like she was enjoying so much food. We put her in a cut and then it it was like the first three weeks were just slow. Like she just wasn't losing anything. So, um, as soon as we cut her again, then she started to lose a little bit, but she was getting so discouraged. You know, she was like, this sucks. Like I lost all this weight when I was eating more and now I feel like my body hates me. And she was questioning everything. She's like, I don't think I spent enough time in the reverse. Like we spent like a good three months, um, in the, in the metabolic reset phase. So she was questioning it all. And then I was like, well, mm-hmm. why don't we look at your progress pictures? Um, and like, she was shrinking, even though the scale wasn't moving as quickly as she wanted. So we always tell our clients to go back to that. Like, go book, look, go look at your pictures, go like, see how your clothes fit. Um, she put so much mass on her legs during the reverse, her waist shrunk. Like there were all these body comp changes, but at the same time too, the one thing I point out to our clients is like, when you start a deficit, everyone's body's different. We have clients that lose like immediately. And then we have clients where it takes like good three to four weeks. But sometimes you're, you feel like you're shrinking, but the scale doesn't move. And then one day you wake up, you jump on the scale and it drops drastically. Um, so I always ask, do you feel like you're getting smaller? Do you feel like you're getting leaner? And they're like, yes. I'm like, cool. Well, the, the number's just a number. There will be a day where it's going to drop, but let's just focus on, um, the way your clothes fit. And I I think it's just because people are so used to like overnight results. They're not used to slow, steady, sustainable. And it's just un, undoing that, you know, which makes it very challenging. I think and then, of course, when they start losing weight, they're like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I love this. <laughs> Anyways, go ahead. Go ahead, Chris. I think there's so many people need to be educated on the scale of like why your body responds the way it does, how many things play a factor into what that number is going to say in the morning and mm-hmm. everything like that. And then relationship with the scale is yeah. not enough people educated on like all the factors. Like, you know, after you lift the, have a big heavy lift day, right? Like, and I have clients like, I don't understand. Like I just killed my body last yeah. night and I'm up a pound <laughs> and a half. And I'm like, 
that's why you're up a pound and a half actually (laughs) yeah they have no idea great job and this is your reward is now a pound up on the scale exactly (laughs) that that like that's the one thing that drives me nuts about um and this is a whole other rabbit hole too but like people just have this idea in their head that going and doing like these workouts like i love crossfit but like when they go and they just kill themselves and they just like it's like they think the fat is just melting off of their body. And I'm like, you guys realize that, like, that is actually making things worse. Um, and, and I always go back to bodybuilders. Like, do you really think bodybuilders look the way they look going to the gym and killing themselves five days a week? They just walk on a fucking treadmill. Like, we can learn from them, right? But I, I don't know why there's just there's this relationship between hit workouts, boot camp, and CrossFit and just, like, melting fat off of your body whereas like in most cases that's like the worst thing you can do for fat loss that's a whole other rabbit hole but i had to bring that up <laughs> <laughs> no that's a good point i i'm i'd love to hear your take on this because this is something i know chris and i stress a lot with our clients and in, in our program but i feel like this it, i want to hear your take and maybe it'll come across differently like we have some clients that just are really I don't know what the word would be. I feel like it's a very wide array of mixed emotions, but like don't want to take photos or don't want to take measurements mm. and don't want to like get, get that starting data because, you know, it probably shame, guilt, you know, just like all these things from like, you know, they've gotten to where they're at today. Mm-hmm. And we try to stress to them how important it is to not only use it for progress. And like, we've even told them like, take the photos and just keep them yourself if you need to mm-hmm. in the very beginning. But like, why would you say it's so important to have those photos and measurements and such? Yeah, because pictures speak a thousand words, right? Like the scale is only one very small piece of data. And yeah, you can look at yourself in the mirror, but there's no, like, there's, there's nothing that you can, where you can physically see change unless you have photos side by side. We deal with the same thing. We have a, a couple of people that are just so against taking progress photos. So we'll say like, let's take measurements mm-hmm. or, you know, have your spouse take them and maybe they keep them for you or like upload them to you know, the, the app that we use, but like, there's so much that can change in photos. Um, so again, another great example. Um, I just shared this story on social media. We had a client that worked with us for 12 months. She lost two pounds in 12 months. People would view that as a complete failure unless you saw her progress pictures. She looked like she lost 15 pounds. So she went from 164 to 162 in 12 months but her body comp was completely different. She lost a whole bunch of fat. She dropped 10, like over 10 plus inches. But again, like if this girl did not take those photos, she would have thought she failed the program, but it was all because of the fact that she took them where she was so bought into the process. Um, and she was eating like so much more than when she started. So that's why like, I'm so big on photos and you guys are probably the same because the scale is just, it means nothing. It literally mm-hmm. means nothing. I don't know why people are so focused on it. Like, it's not like we go up to each other and say like, Hey, my name's Jacqueline and I weigh 140 pounds, you know, <laughs> like it's true though. Exactly. You know, like I just, I don't get why people are so attached to it. I actually had a client say that like Weight Watchers, she used this example. She goes, I remember when I was little, my mom did Weight Watchers and they pumped up that Friday weigh in. She would go in and it made it such a big deal. And if they were up, they would say like, oh, you weren't consistent enough or anything like that. And I think that's where it comes in is like, there's mm-hmm. so many people that are just so hyper-focused on on that. Well, what do you see when you're in like, if you're in a keto group or a fasting group, it's like down 31 pounds in three days. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, you know, everyone's like comparing their, c- comparing their weight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well. Jacqueline, I guess where I want to kind of start wrapping things up here is, I guess, is there anything that you feel like has helped your clients be more consistent, but also not like, I mean, I think we can all agree fat loss sucks, right? Like mm-hmm. the, the the process of fat loss sucks. It's it's very simple, but it's mundane. It can be challenging at times and frustrating at times as well. What has made it easier for your clients? Like, what are some things that you really focus on to like, just make it a little bit easier even in the most challenging times. Yeah. Like like do you mean just um like from a mindset perspective? I guess or... like mindset, but also like physical and tangible as well. Like mm. things they could be doing. Like if somebody's like just starting to cut or something like that where maybe something they should be keeping in mind that might make it a little bit more consistent and easier 
for them. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, when, when we have someone jump into a, a deficit, we basically say, okay, you're doing the complete opposite of what we did in the reverse diet uh, or sorry. Yeah. The reverse diet. Right. But mm -hmm. we just warn them, like, you're going to be hungry. You're going to feel a little bit tired. Like these are some things that you need to be prepared for. And uh, one big thing that helps our clients is just, you know, spreading their, which you, I'm sure you guys do. Like you, you tell them to spread their meals out, push their meals later, eat lots of volume, right? Don't mm -hmm. spend your calories on foods that are, um, very calorie dense. So I would say like, those are some of the things that we have them do when they first start a deficit. Um, you know, logging, like if you want a treat, make sure you log it first thing in the morning so that you can work your, your day around it. But even from like a patient's perspective, like, again, we tell them, you know, not to hyper focus on the scale and just focus more on how your clothes fit. Like I, we usually say focus more on how clothes fit um, and, and the measurements and the pictures over like what the scale is doing, you know, for the first little bit, because those can obviously, um, like you can see a lot of changes through there versus just what the scale says. So I would say like, those would be like the main things that we have our clients focus on. Awesome. Chris, any other questions that you have? No, I think we covered everything that I was going to ask. All right, cool. Sweet. Jacqueline, anything else that you have as far as things you think we have, things that we haven't covered possibly, or anything else you would say to the listeners? No, I, I guess the only thing I would say is just like, and from my own experience, like, um, don't be afraid to eat <laughs> food. Uh, because f coming from my own experience, I look a lot better at a heavier weight than I did at a lighter weight. Like one hundred and fifteen pounds looks a lot less um, on my body frame appeasing than I look at one hundred and forty pounds, which I, a lot of women don't understand. Like they think that they they need to be such a small number to look a certain way, but it's actually the complete opposite. So don't be afraid to eat and put on muscle because that is the body that you want. But everyone's too afraid to eat for that. So. He'll get there <laughs> eventually, hopefully. <laughs> they will. They will for sure. And yes. I think that's a great place to wrap that up. But um, Jacqueline, this has been great. Really appreciate you for taking your time to join us on today's show for everybody, uh, all the listeners. For those listening that want to connect with you and you know, where can they find you at social media and such or anything else that you have going on right now? Yeah. Uh, my handle is really long. <laughs> it's JS strength and conditioning or Jacqueline Maxwell. You can find me on Facebook or Instagram using one of those two uh, names. Awesome guys. And we'll also share those in the show notes. So you guys can go find this quickly and go give her a follow again, Jacqueline. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. Once again, thank you guys so much for tuning in to another episode of the Shades and health podcast. I greatly appreciate you so much for listening. If you enjoyed the show, you can help me by leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. This really helps me become more visible to others. Also, share this episode with friends or family and take a screenshot of the episode and upload it to your stories. Be sure to tag me and my guests so we can be sure to say thank you. If you ever have any questions or feedback about something covered on the show, you're always welcome to send me a message. You can find me on Instagram at changing underscore chase. Have a great day, guys. And remember, you matter.